0: So, Dan, you might have remembered quite a while ago now, I did an episode on the man who stole the Mona Lisa. Oh, yes. Yeah. So there are some paintings that have actually never turned up. Okay. Having been either stolen or pillaged. So, pillaged. I pillage. love <laughs> <laughs> the One of them, probably, I want to go with the most famous one, maybe the most famous one, or maybe one of the most famous, is by Raphael. And it's called Portrait of a Young Man. Do you know this painting?
1: Uh, I, I I feel like I've heard the name.
0: Um, it's well. If you're listening, you can Google it. It you would recognize it. It's like a man in a kind of brown fur with like a beret on. Oh, he's got long hair. Very
1: glam. I like it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of looking at the painter. Um, so before said. Loss, So it was part of the collection of Prince Czadoriski of Poland, alongside other paintings like Leonardo's Lady with an ermine and Rembrandt's Landscape with the Good Samaritan. So like big paintings. However, when the Nazis invaded Poland, Uh, the collection was hidden. It was hidden, but it was found by the Gestapo, and this particular painting was sent to Berlin to become part of Hitler's private collection. However, on the journey there, it was somehow lost and has not been seen
1: since. I mean, that's that's quite something to lose on the way, isn't it?
0: I don't think it was lost. Mm, I don't think it was lost. I don't believe it. I think it was probably like, oh yeah, we'll bring it to Hitler.
1: And then a little Gustavo man just
0: walked off with it. Exactly. And he was like, hmm, I've got this portrait. I would love it to turn up one day, wouldn't you? So do you
1: reckon someone's just got it in their attic or something? Well, there was...
0: Yeah, there was a story of this guy. Uh, I can't remember where I saw the documentary. It might have just been on Netflix. Or BBC or something. It was about a guy who's father or grandfather had had been in possession of a large amount of stolen art and just before this guy's death or when he was like an old man he um he took it to like a art you know yeah. museum or whatever in i want to say amsterdam or something it was like you know northern yeah. europe and they verified all the art and it just been sitting in his attic wow like this guy's attic, like his dad had had it, and
1: how does dad get out of it?
0: Well, I think it was like his granddad was the Nazi, and oh, then it okay then. got down to that's his like, dad, and then it got down to this guy, that's or like something.
1: Double shame, isn't it? You've got like
0: yeah. If someone has seen this documentary as well, <laughs> please remind me like what the actual um, the actual provenance of that is. But now it's there, and the collection's like named after the guy that donated it. Really? Because he got. Well, he wasn't the Nazi. I suppose so, like, not what his fault. Like, do you
1: really want? Do you need to be that rewarded that much for just returning? Art but you could yours? have just
0: like sold it on the black market. I don't think he even knew where it came from. I think that like it had just been sitting in his attic, and his dad was like, "Don't no tell anyone." And he was like, "Maybe I should open these packages in the attic."
1: <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> And
0: that's the kind of quality humour you get here on. have you ever <laughs> heard of? How are
1: you? Yeah, not bad. I went to see Back to the Future, the musical. That's something to do with history, right? Time travel, similar.
0: Is it kind of a good?
1: It's, uh, it's, it's very okay.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking it might be crap.
1: I mean, like, <laughs> it made me, I mean, like, it's... The films are like masterpieces, so it's like, it's always going to be difficult. It's a difficult thing to, like pull off. Of course. But the guy that plays George and is incredible, and the guy that plays Doc is a bit annoying. That's, that's, <laughs> my... <laughs> that's what I've come away with. How, how are you doing anyway?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, just kind of chilling out today. Take like This is my work from home day, so doing all of the laundry, which is what I do at my work from Very home nice. days.
1: Yeah, so. that's, that, that, I'm, well, actually, I just work from home every day, so... <laughs> Every day is clean. You could the do even day. more laundry. <laughs> yeah.
0: So this is um treason month.
1: It is in celebration of November the fifth, which was a week ago, but never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, never mind. Um we should explain that. Um in Britain in the UK, <laughs> we celebrate the fifth of November because it is the year that um it's the day that Guy Fawkes tried to blow a parliament with gunpowder and we set off fireworks and i know that some people don't understand this because <laughs> i used to have a boyfriend that wasn't from the uk and um he was like i don't understand why you would like i used to travel to blackheath which is maybe like an hour from my house and watch fireworks for like half an hour and then travel back and he'd be like why do you stand in the cold watching and i'm like it's tradition <laughs> we love fireworks here so yeah that's why we're doing treason this month
1: uh, the amount of times that we had the discussion over Spliff's, whether as uh, so whether Guy Fawkes was a hero or not.
0: Hashtag hero? I don't know, actually. Yeah,
1: it's a different one. I mean...
0: He gave us fireworks. He so. did give us fireworks.
1: <laughs> was he a freedom fighter or was he just trying to install a more authoritarian system? Mm-hmm. Was it like a putch? A push? A putch.
0: But <laughs> I don't know, because he didn't succeed. He didn't. No, he got hung, drawn, and quartered. But anyway, who are you talking about today?
1: Yeah, one of us might do him, so then we can discuss that. Yeah. Then. Uh, I'm going to do a different traitor.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: uh, have you Have you ever heard of Leo... No, Leo's the father. Have you ever heard of John Amory? I have not. Okay, then. Well... Okay, let's start. I'm not going to tell you what he did. Okay. Just reveal it as we go. Okay, so John Amory was born on the 14th of March 1912 in Chelsea, London, the elder of two <laughs> sons of Florence Greenwood and Leo Avery.
0: So Leo Avery,
1: Leo Avery was a contemporary and a friend of Churchill and the colonial secretary during the Second World War. Ah. Uh, as a hint to where we're going, it's always the fucking posh ones.
0: Yeah, it's true. <laughs>
1: So, John has been described as a difficult child, and he ran through a succession of private cheaters. Private cheaters, I mean, come on, that's just... I used to
0: be a private cheater, I can't say anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, like his father, he was educated at Harrow, but unlike his father, he was hardly a model student. As one school report stated, at Harrow, he resented discipline and scoffed at the current conventions. He stole from shops and other boys, absconded at night to visit a nightclub and to tout for nightclub clients. I mean it's weird that he uh he scuffed at... he resented discipline and scuffed at um all that stuff considering I mean like we'll see where he goes, but I mean like he seems to like a bit <laughs> of authoritarianism, so I mean like I don't understand why he But uh, anyway oh The Hyde at the school, Cyril Norwood, said of John, of all the boys who are known, John Amory was the most abnormal. He also describes John as a moral imbecile I said it was uh, was not possible to make anything of him at Harrow. A moral imbecile? I mean, like, that's quite a.
0: Harrow's super posh. It is it?
1: mega posh. Yeah,
0: it's one of, like, the poshest.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Is morally imbecile, like, an okay term now. I feel like I want to I use don't... it, but it feels like...
0: I mean, it's a quote, so I guess that we're quoting true. someone who said it, probably but, like, be, that's
1: Probably shouldn't be using okay. it in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, sources suggest that he left Harrow after just a year. So he didn't do too well there. Uh, and one might argue that he did make, I mean, something of himself, but that something was not in any way good. <laughs> uh, now i don't think a bit of rebelliousness at school is anything to be ashamed of but in his case it would grow into something pretty repugnant um very much living in his father's immense shadow john strove to stand out he tried to set himself up in the glamorous world of 1930s films uh, but clearly he didn't have the mind for it over a period he he set up a number of independent companies all which failed and he was bankrupt by 1936 so he's 24 nice. and he's bankrupt. Well done.
0: So he's bankrupt, but his parents have money. Yeah, so he's,
1: he's... not going to ever really be bankrupt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> by this time, he'd also acquired 74 convictions for motoring offences.
0: <gasps>
1: In fast cars, no, boy, no doubt bought for him by his father, by his rich father, oh, the perennial rich playboy boy racer.
0: Stop um, buying him a thing.
1: I know, just... It's not going to end well. Uh, no. At the age of 21, Amory married Una Wing, a former prostitute or sex oh. worker, as the okay. term should be. Uh, despite constantly appealing to his father for money, uh, to keep them living the high life, he was never able to earn enough to keep her for himself. So she was still uh, applying a trade. I yep. guess is the is the way to put it. ba 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 da, da, da. So as a posh boy and the son of such a senior conservative, it's no surprise that John was a staunch anti-communist. However, he took this much further than his father. Following his declaration of of bankruptcy, he decided to embark on an adventure. Uh, 1936 (laughs) marks the beginning of the Spanish Civil War. Fascist military forces under General Francisco Franco launched a military coup against a democratically elected liberal-left coalition government. Uh, And many went to Spain to join the international brigades to help defend progressive politics and to join the fight against fascism. So in many ways, this marks the beginning of the Second World War in Europe. John, however, did not do that. Instead, Amory told his family he had joined Francisco Franco's Nationalists, where he claimed to have been awarded a Medal of Honour while serving as an intelligence officer. With Italian volunteer forces. So he joined the fascists.
0: Oh dear.
1: In actuality, he worked for Franco in a much less glamorous role uh, of liaison with the French um Kergoulard, uh, or the fascist groups, basically, as a gun runner.
0: So are we assuming he speaks Spanish then? He,
1: uh, I think he speaks French. I don't know about Spanish. Cause, okay. Uh, because following the war's conclusion, John moved to France, uh, where he became chummy with Jack. Uh, the fa- the French fascist leader. I can't pronounce his surname. <laughs> surname. I can't speak French. Um, so with him, he travelled to Austria, Italy, and Germany to see the effects of fascism in those countries. Uh, although clearly having fascist leanings, he became a staunch supporter of National Socialism, believing, uh. ...that it was the only alternative to Bolshevism. Um, So after this he chose to settle permanently in France... ...and remained in the Vichy zone following the German invasion in June 1940. Uh, Apparently, Amory's posh boy personality antagonised the Vichy regime. Uh, He made several attempts to leave, but was not allowed. So he was kept in France... And so the head of the German Armistice Commission offered Amory a chance to live in Germany to work in the political arena. So, in September 1942, Hauptmann Werner Plack gained uh, Amory the French travel permit he needed. And in October, Plack and Amory travelled to Berlin to speak to the German-English committee. After that, he met Adolf Hitler. And the Fuhrer was very impressed by him. And so, Amory was recruited by the Nazis and began making pro-Nazi broadcasts in Berlin, attempting to appeal to the British people to join the war on communism.
0: I have heard of this guy. Yeah. I just didn't know his name. Yes, we did. Um, we actually listened to some of his broadcasts uh, in our in my degree. And yeah, I do know this guy. But it was just insane, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: Totally. I mean, like, he goes much further than this. So I'm going to read one of his broadcasts. On the 19th of November 1942, he stated, Listeners will wonder what an Englishman is doing on the German radio tonight. You can imagine that before taking this step, I hoped that someone better qualified than me would come forward. I dared to believe that some ray of common sense, some appreciation of our priceless civilization would guide the counsels of Mr. Churchill's government. Unfortunately, this has not been the case. For two years, living in a neutral country, I've been able to see through the haze of propaganda to reach something, which my conscience tells me is the truth. That is why I come forward tonight without any political label, without any bias, but just simply as an Englishman to say to you a crime is being committed against civilization. Not only the priceless heritage of our fathers, of our seamen, of our empire builders is being thrown away in a war that serves no British interests, But our alliance leader, Stalin's dreams of nothing more but the destruction of that heritage of our fathers. Morally, this is a stain on our honour. Practically, it can only lead, sooner or later, to disaster and communism in Great Britain. To a disintegration of all the values we cherish most. I mean, it's a little terrifying how familiar that sounds today. A pro-colonialist spouting anti-leftism to support far-right authoritarianism. I mean, it just seems... That's just, like, the sort of stuff I see on Twitter every day, which is why I try my it's best... why
0: like, I don't have Twitter. Exactly, I
1: try and, like, avoid Twitter at all costs.
0: It's just... it. I, I, just something that, that this brings to mind. I was in Waterstones yesterday, mm-hmm. just having a browse before my gym session, and... I went up to the religion and spirituality section, just recently I've been interested in the history of God. And I was looking through, and there's a book, a new book that just came out on QAnon in the religion section. Oh, jeez. And I bought it because I love QAnon. It's just like (laughs) the craziest conspiracy. But I did say to the guy, I was like, should this really be in, like, religion? And then we kind of talked about it, and I guess it is like a cult.
1: Yeah, it's kind of going But, like,
0: way. I was like, where else would you put it, I guess?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, in politics or in technology? Uh, like, I computing? Guess...
1: Okay. There
0: almost needs to be, like, a crackpot section. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just a conspiracy <laughs> anyway, section.
0: That's one of those things where, like, you go too far in one direction, yeah. and you kind of come back around, like, in a circle.
1: Kind of yeah. It's weird. But You go
0: too far away from... The like your politics, and you end up back at somebody else's politics instead of going against all politics. You know,
1: yeah, the horseshoe,
0: yeah,
1: it is weird. I mean, like how, how it, it, like how familiar it is. I mean, like this whole kind of backlash against kind of uh not really like like historical like revisionism, but you know, just like the development of the historical narrative plus just like really virulent like anti-communism i mean like there's not the communist does not really exist anywhere at the moment so i don't know what people are railing against is it, is it very not communist
0: weird. in like laos
1: oh yeah that's true yeah yeah <laughs> anyway I mean, like, but, back
0: to
1: <laughs> I, mean, cause I mean like you can't you could can definitely not call china communist and you definitely can't call vietnam communist but no <laughs> uh anyway, anyway. <laughs> moving on uh so it was at this time that Amory suggested to the Germans that they form a British anti-Bolshevik legion. So, so
0: this is pre-war still?
1: No, this is during the war. So we're now okay, until yeah. 1942. Okay, cool. So Amory aims at first to recruit 50 to 100 men for propaganda purposes and then use this established corps of men to attract additional members from the British prisoners of war. So Amory made his first recruiting drive at at the Saint-Denis POW camp outside Paris. Uh, He addressed between 40 and 50 inmates from various British and Commonwealth countries and handed out recruiting material. You'll be happy to hear that this first effort at recruitment was a complete failure. But (laughs) he persisted. So Amory ended up with only two men. He joined what uh, Amory named the Legion of saint George. However, after Amory's failure, the Waffen SS decided his services were no longer needed and his link to the unit ended in October 1943. However, the plan to form a British SS unit persisted and the Legion of St. George was officially renamed the British Free Corps. Okay, so we're going to go off on a tangent here and have a look at the British Free Corps to see what became of uh, the unit Amory tried to form since, I mean, like, it his was his aim brainchild. Here? So basically build, Just... like, a, so, like, the SS kind of had um, units made up of, of, like, troops from the various countries. Yeah. Like, to go, like, to Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah, Mabels. yeah. So basically, Amy wanted to do, like, another one of those, but made of the, British English The Congress. British. Yeah. Okay. Comoroutic. So I was just hoping to, like, form some, like, a division or something. Okay. Um, so research by a British historian... Adrian uh, Wheel has identified 54 men who belonged to this unit at one time or another. Uh, Some for only a few days uh, and at no time did it reach more than 27 men in strength. So I mean like it was a failure like thankfully very very (laughs) few people joined but some people did join. Uh, So after Amory's failure, SS officials were able to recruit from a group of POWs in August 1943 at a holiday camp, in inverted set up by Germans in uh, Genshagen, a suburb of Berlin. More recruits came from an interrogation camp at Lückenwald in late 1933. To gain more recruits, in 1944, leaflets were distributed to uh, to uh, the, the ver- like pe- the POWs in the various camps. The unit was also covered in camp. The the official prisoner of war Nazi propaganda newspaper published in Berlin, uh, where it was promoted as a thoroughly volunteer unit conceived and created by British subjects from all parts of the empire who had taken up arms and pledged their lives in the common European struggle against Soviet Russia. Blah, blah, blah. Lots of rubbish. I mean, like, it's weird that they, like, printed a newspaper for POWs. I mean, like, do people actually read that? (laughs)
0: I mean I, I guess maybe I mean, because I feel
1: bored, I guess. Like still. yeah,
0: what else would you be doing unless obviously apart from all the work they put you to.
1: I mean like I guess like but the, Like right, if was... you're
0: reading nothing else, I mean also people who are POWs might wanna stay on top of like what's going on, on like in some way even what's though going it's on outside be, like, of the camps. Totally even though like it's propaganda. really skewed, like yeah, but like Is that if it's the only thing they're gonna get, you know, or they might use it to their own advantage? Like if they have printed materials, maybe they could use it in some other way, you know.
1: That's true. But didn't like the Red Cross bring books? I'm sure I read that somewhere.
0: Yeah, to to certain camps, obviously not to like.
1: Yeah, that's true. uh,
0: Certain places, but I mean, it really depends what camp you're in, what country you're in, and what year it is. Yeah, so things are getting
1: more desperate. Mm -hmm. Things become a bit more grim. So, still, of the 50-odd, the leading members of the Corps included the half-German Thomas Haller-Cooper, a member of the British Union of Fascists, Roy Corland, a New Zealander, and an orphan who was raised by Jewish parents, So he tried to weasel out of punishment with a number of fanciful excuses for his joining, including that he intended to use the unit to escape and that he hoped to gain control of the unit to use against the Germans. I mean, like, all those excuses were totally disregarded. (laughs) It's weird, though. I mean, like, he was raised by, like, Jewish parents, so I don't understand why he went that way. Well, that's another weird thing. Leo Amory, his mother, was Jewish, but she converted to Protestantism. So, I mean, like, yeah, his father was Jewish. John, by rights, was basically Jewish as well, but he ended up joining. I mean, the Nazis.
0: That though, like, maybe he didn't view himself as Jewish because he didn't practice it. Yeah, but was he? What was he? Very anti-Semitic.
1: I mean, like, I guess he must have been to join there. There's not actually information on anything he said in that that I've read. But I mean, like, he must have been to go over there.
0: Yeah. That is it's an interesting point because I don't know, maybe he just saw being Jewish as like the practice as opposed to Possibly.
1: But that's like, not how the Nazis saw it.
0: Of course they didn't, <laughs> no. Like you can see from their laws, yeah. like, you know, if you look at their actual laws from before the war, that they actually like set out very clearly like who is and who isn't yeah. Jewish according to their like you know representation, and the only people that can tell you that they're Jewish are the people themselves and the Jewish community. Yeah, nobody else has any right. Yeah, <laughs> to say you're Jewish, you're not. Like those are the only people, and that is something that is just like the-, the Germans just like decided. Yeah, and it was just like insane. But yeah, he must have had some views on it, some negative views on it, at least, because. There's no way he could have just been in the dark.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's very strange. I mean, like, had he got his way in the Nazis' war, then his father would definitely have been killed, and he probably would have been killed.
0: Well, where are we going now?
1: He's destroying his own. Anyway. (laughs) So, other members of the group, uh, Canadian Edwin uh, Bernard Martin, who was captured during the Dieppe raid, and seemingly was a bit bitter about that, (laughs) <laughs> it's quite, a re- quite a quite a reaction, but uh, Frank McLardy, a senior member of the British Union of Fascists, uh, probably best not to let those guys in the army. I would have thought, but I mean, that's just a side note. He was he was so senior in the party that he was a district treasurer and the district leader in Waterloo. So I mean, like it is weird that that guy managed to s- slip through the net and get into the British Army. And also Alfred Minchin, a British merchant seaman, and the man who came up with the name, the British Free Corps. So, these men later uh, became know, uh, known among the, the the Legion as the big... Uh, oh no, and John Wilson. They became the big six. However, there was a lot of internal politics unsurprisingly, as the men fought one another for control of the unit. So the Remembers kind of frequently fell into and out of favour. Um... So in March nineteen forty-five, the British the British Free Corps was deployed with the Eleventh SS Volunteer Panzer Grenadier Division Norland, um, which was largely com- composed of uh, Scandinavian volunteers, uh, and took part in the defence of Berlin. So they actually fought.
0: Wow. That is crazy.
1: In the final at this battle, it's crazy. Surely, at like,
0: they knew that this wasn't yeah, going to was go over, their way. But they still want to fall. nearly over. It's like so close to being over.
1: On the night 29th of April, uh, the Norland Orleans unit decided to break contact with the Russians and head west into Anglo American ca- captivity. So, this was obviously to avoid harsh treatment by the Russians, but ironically ending up in Anglo-American hands would inevitably result in a charge of treason uh, for these guys, which carried the death penalty. But, what of Amory? Yes, what happened to him? Amory continues to broadcast and write propaganda in Berlin until late 1944. After this, he moved to Mussolini's puppet state in Northern Italy, the RSI, or the Italian Social Republic, also known as the Saulo Republic, where he made propaganda speeches on behalf of Benito Mussolini. But by this time the noose was closing, the Allies were advancing up the Italian peninsula and the Republic was close to collapse. On the twenty fifth of April nineteen forty five, Amory was captured along with his French mistress, Michelle Thomas, by the Italian partisans, Garibaldi Brigade, near Como.
0: <laughs> I love the name Garibaldi. I know, it's, a good name. it's one of the best names. Um so he had a mistress then? Oh, yeah. And did he have any children with his actual wife? Uh,
1: I'm, I I'm don't not think sure. so. I'm not sure. They didn't list any anything like that. Okay. Um, so, Amory and Thomas were initially set for execution, but both of them were eventually sent to Milan, where they were handed over to Allied authorities. Upon capture, Amory was still wearing the uniform of the Muti Legion, a fascist paramilitary organization. So, Amory was tried for treason in London. In a preliminary hearing, he argued that he had never attacked Britain and was an anti-communist, not a Nazi. At the same time, his brother Julian attempted to show that John had become a Spanish citizen and therefore would legally be incapable of committing treason against the United Kingdom. His counsel, Gerald Osborne Slade, Casey, meanwhile tried to show that the accused was mentally ill off on that uh, that little defence Amory Santee was questioned by his own father Leo as well in a report questioned by Leo uh, written by Dr Edward Glover um, it was stated John Amory has exhibited throughout his life all the symptoms of psychopathy of a type which borders on the schizoid um, which under ordinary circumstances ends in compulsive, delinquent and antisocial conduct The whole picture is completely characteristic of severe psychopathy, negativism, unteachability, fear of attack of a paranoid type, antisocial behavior, delinquency, lack of moral feeling and conscience, sexual abnormality, and so on. And just so on. I um, love that, and so on. No element <laughs> Just is, all of those bad things. No element is missing. Just all of them. Every single... Like, you have no idea yet. how much of a
0: psychopath this
1: guy is. <laughs> also, like, psychopathy isn't a defence.
0: Oh, yeah, it's not a defence. <laughs> it's like, not a defence Just because all. you're a psychopath, yeah. it doesn't mean... You, like, that almost, like... It's,
1: it's not I his fault.
0: He doesn't feel. <laughs> I was just watching a documentary about the Green River color They're not going to be like, oh, yeah. he's a psychopath, so let's not like oh, yeah, put him that... away for
1: the fifty murders that he committed. <laughs> oh, there's been no, no, like prosecution of murders. Basically. No, just uh, a psychopath. Fine. Oh
0: no, worries then, Let's <laughs> yeah, turn back Get up. Him out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, surprisingly, oh, blah, blah. as such, all efforts. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Hang on. Yeah. So yeah, obviously psychopathy isn't a defence. So as as such, all efforts to have the court consider his mental state were were unsuccessful. They were just totally disregarded. So when it came to the court uh, to the court case, surprisingly, um, any further attempts at defence were suddenly abandoned on the first day of his trial on the 28th oh. of November 1945. To the astonishment of the court, Amory pleaded guilty to eight charges of treason. I mean, like, I don't know why he did it. I mean, maybe hoping that he would get a lighter sentence. I don't know. That's what why people normally do it. His family seemed to think that he did it to save the family a long trial. But anyway, the admittance wouldn't save him. He was immediately sentenced to death. The trial lasted just eight minutes.
0: Wow, that is cool. Yeah. Like, the usually sentencing happens on a whole different day, but I, know. I guess they were like, okay, let's he, just do it now.
1: He just put that little black bit of felt on his head and went straight <laughs> for it. Um, but before accepting Amory's guilty plea, the judge, Mr. Justice Humphreys, made certain that Amory realised the only punishable penalty would be death by hanging. After satisfying yourself that Amory fully understood the consequences of pleading guilty, the judge announced this verdict. John Amory, I am satisfied that you knew what you did and that you did it intentionally and deliberately after you had received warning from your fellow countrymen that the course you were pursuing amounted to high treason. They called you a traitor and you heard them, but in spite of that, you continued that course. You now stand a self-confessed traitor to your king and country. And you have forfeited your right to live. The Times reported Amory, who was 33, was described as a politician. He took the sentence with complete composure. He bowed to Mr. John Justice Humphreys when he was brought into court, and also after sentence had been passed. While the proceedings lasted, he appeared most of the time to have half a smile on his face. After sentence had been passed, he walked away with bowed head to the cells, uh, cells below the dock. The sudden end of the case was dramatic. I mean he was just smirking. He's like one of those little shitty kids, you know. Yeah. Just smirking in core.
0: na na
1: That seems to pop up a lot. Especially with, like horrible those like psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's what it's exhibiting.
0: Yeah, like like I was just saying, the Green River Killer documentary that I was just watching. It's one of the it's the new catching a killer documentary on Netflix. The oh, first yeah. one's on G OK. And He's. They took him like around the forest to be like, anyone buried here? Anyone buried here? Because like he killed so many people. Yeah. He's like, um, yeah, I kind of recognise this spot. Can we go that way? Like so casually, and it's, it's like, so horrible. you are a psychopath. People just, out there are literally just psychopaths. Just
1: nothing. Just nothing inside. It's so weird. No. Ugh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was later claimed that Amory readmitted his guilt in order to save his life. I said that already. Better. <laughs> so, Amory was hanged in Wandsworth Prison on the 19th of December, 1945, quick, just a few months after the war. Get him out of the way. I like it. <laughs> quick! Uh, his remains were buried in the prison cemetery. In 1996, Julian Amory had his brother's remains exhumed and cremated, scattering his ashes in France. And if we didn't need more evidence that maybe the Amory family were kind of dicks, Leah wrote this epitaph about his son. Oh, no. At the end of wayward days, he found a cause. Twas not his country's, only time can tell if that defiance of our ancient laws was treason or foreknowledge. He sleeps well.
0: (gasps) He did not. He
1: did. It was treason, Leo. Your son was a Nazi.
0: Even if it wasn't like treason, it was bad. I know. It's like. Like...
1: (laughs) That's sympathy for. (laughs) He's
0: a a baddie. (laughs)
1: Leo is uh, is basically just giving sympathy to a regime that would have killed him. It's very strange, but I mean, like, what do you expect from Ch- Ch- Churchill's colonial master? I suppose. Mm. There you go. That's John Amory and the and the Legion of St George.
0: Wow, That's ridiculous. I yeah. did know him, but I didn't know like his background or really that he. I assumed that he'd been killed. Yeah. But I actually assumed in my head that he was killed during the war. So it's interesting to know that he survived the war. And weirdly, yeah, well, I guess they wanted to maybe get rid of him before Nuremberg started, and like yeah, yeah. they were all tied up with
1: trying to find Eichmann and stuff. Because <laughs> so I think he went down before. Who was the last one? Who was uh, the last person to be hanged to them Was also it was William Joyce. Mm. Who was the uh, the other Nazi propagandist? Um, weirdly, none of the members, as far as I know, none of the members of the Legion of Saint George were uh, were hanged. Okay, they got, like, so they just got like prison sentences.
0: Oh, apart
1: from Apart, apart from Amory.
0: Hey, th- Marie.
1: I think like they were fairly like hefty, like twenty five years and stuff. But I don't, yeah, I don't think. Even though they actually fought I don't Mm. think they actually got. But
0: maybe they were like, I don't know, because like, maybe they were just like with Nuremberg and everything. There's a lot on their plate, (laughs) so they were just like, just put him in prison,
1: light weather. So I think it ended up being like a court martial rather than like a, like a criminal case. Weirdly.
0: Wow. Weird. Strange. Interesting. Oh. Very interesting. I mean, I do like a good execution story. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what high treason today consists of in, in the UK? No. Do you want to know?
1: I do, yeah. Let's okay, do it.
0: so <laughs> this was last amended in, too far, uh, in 2013. Um, so, uh, obviously kidding the sovereign Mm -hmm. so killing the king or queen or the king's wife but not a ruling queen's husband oh or the sovereign's eldest child and heir so that would be the queen and charles yeah but it wouldn't have been philip so, if oh, you wow. wanted to kill Philip while he was still
1: alive, it's not true. When was apparently. this written? So, like, we've kind of like fixed the succession. Okay, so this rules. was
0: written in 1351.
1: <laughs> okay, then. So, yeah.
0: but it was amended by the Succession to the Crown Act in 2013.
1: Oh, right. So, hang on. So, so hang on. We didn't fix that bit then. So, you no. Can...
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next one is violating the king's wife or the sovereign's eldest unmarried daughter or oh, the sovereign's eldest son's wife but it, only the eldest uh, only if the eldest son is heir to the throne so in it this feels like instance they've... it would be Kate because but not Kate no hang on that would be Camilla because Charles is... <laughs>
1: <laughs> it feels like they missed a lot when they went through the revision Sounds um, so archaic
0: so levying war against the sovereign in the realm so you can't levy war okay um, adhering to the Sovereign's enemies, giving them aid and comfort in the realm or elsewhere. And killing the, kills cha- killing the King's Chancellor, Treasurer, or Justices. So you can kill the Queen's husband, but you can't kill the King's <laughs> Chancellor, Treasurer, or Justices. Which is just... Isn't
1: that... Is, is the King's Chancellor just...
0: Or well, Queen's Chancellor? Um, is also... it just the
1: Chancellor of the Exchequer?
0: No, no, the king's chancellor. Oh, so okay, that's then. a different role. Oh, it's just like the, of the household? Uh, maybe. I uh, No, I think there must be something more <laughs> one okay, of then. that. Um, or there's also a, a few extra ones for Ireland and Scotland. So in Ireland, uh, attempting to hinder succession to the throne. And then in Scotland, killing the lords of succession or lords of justiary. And, in Scots law only, counterfeiting the Great Seal of Scotland. So, if you are in the UK, do not do any of those things, because you will, um, yeah, be committing high treason.
1: Can you still be? No, you can't, can you? There's no death penalty at all.
0: No, I, so in I um, mean, since the that Crime and Disorder only... Act in yeah. 1998 became law, the maximum sentence for treason was life imprisonment. But it, up until 98, it was actually hanging. Yeah, it was the only thing you could be hanged number. for. But I don't think anyone actually was hanged for it. Um, also, it's totally myth that killing swans is treason. <laughs> that's not that's myth. And also, like people say that d- destroying banknotes and stuff. No, oh, yeah, no, not no, treason. Like, only in It's Thailand. just like, why would you destroy money? <laughs> just like, buy a beer or something. Um, so yeah, uh, that's yeah. high treason. But so life in nothing, prison nothing, is still like prison. Nothing shit. against
1: the country, it's all just against the monarch.
0: Yeah, the sovereign.
1: Weird, because I guess they're supposed to be the important, but it is still weird, so okay.
0: But just like, the ones that are just like, <laughs> you could, you can, can't kill the king's wife, but you can, you can kill, kill the queen's queen. husband. <laughs> that's just silly.
1: Uh, is that
0: because, like, it's a succession thing, so she could get, like, a new husband and then still, like, carry on the succession?
1: Maybe, but it just like... I think it is, like, you know. It just still feels like the two-tier thing, though, that they just totally overlooked. So, I'm like, that's fine. If we just put the succession in, it'll be fine. Like, as long yeah, as, as it the looks succession list, is It's okay. like, we written it now. There's nothing we can do. I'm not going back.
0: Come on, bother. We already <laughs> did it once. like... So next week we'll carry on our treason month. I will be talking about something treasonous, and if you want to stay updated on anything treasonous or anything to do with us, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Have You Ever pod.
1: And, and follow us wherever you're listening, and maybe leave us a little review. I don't know, five Too stars you. if you want. No I that mean, like, 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 that would be lovely.
0: And if you know of your name or your podcast, then we can hit you up on Twitter and also listen to you as well if you're a podcast. And maybe give you a shout out. So. Totally. And we'll see you next time.
1: Bye.
0: Bye.